the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. You're going to find that no religion in all of eternity, we'll say, is based upon one R word. That R word is relationship, except for Christianity. For us to trust Christ, we're trusting him to not only have a home in heaven like a little uh, vacation spot, it's a home in heaven with him. So it's a relationship we have now that is waiting for us in a location that's better than here later, but it's with him. Charlie Brown Lucy in the cartoon. I, I picked this up. I, ho- I hope you see the humor in it. Lucy says to Charlie Brown, Charlie Brown, it's the Christmas season. I think we ought to bury our differences, forgive each other, and try to be kind and get along. And Charlie Brown, you know, a smile on his face is great. But why just this season? Why not all year? And Lucy says, what do you think I am? Some kind of a fanatic? You know, and a little bit of truth is, yeah, I'll try it for a little bit. Then I'm going to leave it and go on and do something else. It's we don't have that luxury. So one of our convictions this year would be to strengthen our relationships by not just going to have fellowship, but that wherever we go, we think of how to add value. Now, let me clarify something for some of you real powerful Christians out there. That doesn't mean every time you see someone, you'll say, hey, Joe, change your ways. Turn or burn. You don't do that. You know, it's building a relationship. Like I said, the connecting part before you correct them. So as you see them, they're not all your mission field, but they are in some measure. Those that need something more than what you have. Stay with me now. That person may be weak in that area and you want to add value to them. Will you allow yourself to to admit that you could be weak in another area? that that same person who is strong in that area that you're weak in could add value to your life. So while we are going around trying to make everybody else strong and built up in the Lord, could we say everybody is somebody in his body? We all need each other. That's number two. Let's go to number three. There's only four. And I know you're saying, I'm so grateful it's not 40. So let's just look here at four. Here's a third one, all right? He says, third one, I will take personal responsibility for my part in world evangelism. Now, to me, I think that's very important because the first one is kind of neat. I'm in the Word. It's very safe to be in the Word. Nobody's going to say anything nasty to me. I'm all alone in my little prayer closet, and I'm going into the Word. It's very, I love the Word. I love being around the Word, you know. Not putting that down, not mocking that. But at the same time, if it's all the Word, if we're not doing the Word, then we're not going to then build relationships. If we're doing the Word, then what are we going to do? We want other people to grow in their faith. And if that's the case, then we also want to make sure that we do our part in evangelism. So a lot of people like to be around Christian country clubs. They like to be around Christian rec centers, so to speak. They like to be around people that they know that love them and they can navigate easily around them and high-five them back when you can high-five them, all right? 
All of that is true. Not putting that down. But it could it be that somewhere within our level of conviction, we have a conviction for world evangelism, but we're not partnering in that. So it now becomes wishful thinking. We like that conviction. We should have that conviction, but it's not one that we really own in our own heart. Now, what might that look like can be in a lot of different ways. So I'm just giving a scattergun shot at you all. But I've been praying, like in the first verse, that you would hear what God might have to say out of these words from his word to you, to take you to the next place so the rest of your life could be the best of your life. Now, these verses are very common to you, but do me one favor. Take a little check up from the neck up on this. Kind of look at your heart and uh, see what God is saying to you. Jesus said this, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, what he didn't say here in this verse is how to go into all the world. Does that mean you have to go to every continent, every country, every city, and every bush yourself to reach people? No, but I do believe we need to have a global focus and be willing to whatever we can to reach as many people that we can with what we have been given by God so we never, ever, ever, ever lose our global focus. Notice the next verse, a verse you probably all have memorized. It says here, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. He said, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, look, look, I'm with you always. So I didn't send you there and I'm staying in my little popcorn palace in heaven. He says, no, 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 I'm with you always. How long? Even to the end of the time, the end of the age. Now, take your pen, if you will, because I want to bring out four easy truths here to show you what a total world evangelism program would look like. It's in this verse. It's real easy. It's so simple. There are only four words, and each word begins with the letter M, so it's so simple. Look at it. Jesus said, go, therefore. Actually, it says in the Greek, as you go. That means however, wherever you go in your life. It says, make disciples. So put the word make above that phrase. Circle, make disciples, and then put the word make up there. Make. And to make a disciple, he can't be a disciple until he's trusted Christ as Savior. So you know that your first step is to help them come to faith alone in Christ. In that then follows to help them then to become a fully obedient worshiper of the Lord. So you've got to make them a disciple. And a disciple doesn't become a disciple until they've chosen to be a student of the Lord. Then it says of all people groups. So our people group could be your cul-de-sac. It could be your HOA. It could be where you work today. But don't ever forget that there's nations, people groups all over the world and how much the Lord might want to use your gifting, your ability, your personality to reach people even further away. Then it says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So circle that whole big long phrase and write the word Mark. Baptizing them is kind of like letting them, in a Christian way, come out of the closet. It's a, a Christian way to go public with their faith. So in some measure, you're going to make sure they go public with their faith, their baptizing. Now, I'm not here trying to split a hair. Should you be the one that uh, immerses them or not? I don't know that you have to touch their body or bring them under the water. As much as to make sure that they know that, yes, they are saved. They've become a disciple now. They've now decided to surrender to the Lord for salvation by faith, not their life, but their faith in Christ. But now they need to come out of the closet and go public with it. Yep. Babies are born. I don't think any of you women would love to have had your husband come in with a camera to take a picture of you giving birth so he could put it on Facebook. 
But at the same time, once that baby is there, you can't wait for him to grow and to show him off to everybody. You go public with that. So the birthing is private, but the baptizing is public. All right, it goes on to say, teaching them. Put the word mature there. Make, mark, mature. Now, the only way they're going to grow that we talked about is to yield it to the Holy Spirit so they can understand and apply God's word to their life. The fourth word says to observe all things that I've commanded you. So you're going to write the word multiply there. So he says, whatever I told you to do, which is to go into all the world and preach the gospel, you're to teach them to do, which is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. So that's the multiplying part. And it's also then to mark them and mature them and have them multiply. So it becomes one big circle. So that's our responsibility. So let me make it real simple by giving you four words that begin with the letter G. I gave it to you with the letter M. Now we're going to do it with the letter G. So what does this involve? Now listen carefully. Here it is. Number one, growing in my knowledge of more effective outreach. Yes, you can get all excited and share the gospel with people, but do you really know the best way to communicate, how to open a conversation, what to say, how to answer questions, how to bring it to a conclusion, how to bring them to a point where they trust Christ? Do you know how to do that? I hope you won't do what I did. I was a failure when I trusted Christ as Savior in evangelism. Carol led me to Christ on a Thursday night. I will tell you that I exploded with joy that my sins were forgiven, that I was going to heaven. I mean, it was like, wow, now I know. This was so cool. I can't even explain the other stuff about God. It wasn't like bells and whistles and sparklers and fireworks going off. But I have to tell you that there was, I once was saved, but once was lost, but now I'm saved. I had that. I, I left Carol. She dropped me off at the house, my house, because she and her girlfriend picked me up, took me to me and trusted Christ. She and her girlfriend rode off into the sunset. I walk in the door, and I met my dad. He opens the door. Where were you? And I told him where I was. And then he said, what did they teach you at that Bible study? And with a smile on my face and ignorance from head to toe, I said, I learned tonight that I'm going to heaven. You're going to hell, Dad. You know. And you've heard that story before. I didn't know how to do that. I needed someone to help teach me. What's the proper way to open a conversation with someone? Secular, spiritual, and move it into salvation. How do you do that? I needed someone to do that. So my question to you is, when was the last time you took a course on how to share your faith? When was it? I can't remember. Then you need to take it. Well, it was many years ago. Maybe it's good to take another one. Wouldn't it be good to kind of refresh ourselves and how to actually open a conversation, what to say, how to close it? We have elders in here that are doing that. They're taking classes in this. We offer it free at Florida Bible College if you'd like to just take it. Simple class. It also includes discipleship in that class. The second G is giving my resources. I know you know that, but that's important for us to remember. Giving my resources. Now, some of you might think, okay, give to missions. Well, it's not like I'm tipping missions or I'm getting rid of a guilt conscience. So I, 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 I reach the world by letting my missionaries do it, and I, I drop some bucks on them. Not bad to do that. I get that. But on the other hand, maybe some of your money that you're going to give for resources, maybe you need to buy some gospel tracts. Maybe you need to buy a special Bible for someone you're trying to lead to Christ. Maybe it's the things you buy to help resource you to do a better job with them that are out there. But you're willing to use your money to do that. Third G is getting others to become more involved. Get excited about evangelism. Invite them to go with you. Invite yourself to go with them if they want to talk to someone, but they're a little afraid to do that. But in other words, have a study buddy, have a prayer partner. Have someone that you could evangelize with one another. How exciting that could be. And then number four, obviously, is 
Going yourself and not just expecting others to do it. Go yourself. Contact is opportunity. That means wherever you go, the Lord might have sovereignly, there's a sovereignty of God in evangelism, might bring someone into your path that you can reach for Christ. Well, I'm going to give you the fourth and final one because this one I, I wanted to save for last because I think if we get this one right, the rest will take care of themselves. And I wanted you to remember this the most. The fourth one is, I will center my affection, that's my conviction, I will center my affection on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I will center my affection on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Colossians, there's a verse that says, you know, set your affections on things above and not on things on the earth. I love that verse. Keeping our affection on the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And remember this. He said that first before he said, love your neighbor. But he didn't stop at loving your neighbor. Just love your neighbor. He went on to say, make disciples of your neighbor. Okay. So if you love the Lord, you'll love your neighbor. If you love your neighbor, you'll make disciples. Look at what the psalmist said here. It says, whom have I in heaven but you? And there's none upon earth that I desire besides you. When you get to heaven, who's the first person you want to see? You talk to a child, he'll say, I want to see rascal or cat who got hit by a car. That's right. I want to see your pets in heaven. And I'm not going to try to say are there pets in heaven or not. That's for another time. Ask Nathan, two in the morning, he's usually there. All right. My, my point is simply this. Who do you want to see first in heaven? Is it a grandmother? Is it a deceased husband or, or wife? A child who died young? Is it one of the famous guys in the Bible? One of the gals who was a great soul winner? Who would it be? I think the first on your list ought to be, who am I in heaven? There's nobody in heaven but you, Lord. And on the earth, there's nobody but you that I really desire. Are you staying with me? Stay with me. This is really, really important. If I'm supposed to just desire the Lord only, then how does that fit where husbands are supposed to love their wives? How does that fit? That's a good question, isn't it? I got a contradiction in the Bible so we can go home. No, here's how you fit it. All right. I am to love my wife, but I'm to love the Lord. I don't love my wife as much as I love the Lord, but the only way I can love my wife properly is to love the Lord first. Here's why. Because if I really see him as my all in all, nobody I desire upon heaven, nobody I desire more than the Lord here, because here's what happens. The Lord fills my tank with all that I need, all the love that I need that I might not get from my mate consistently or the affirmation for my employer like I should, or my grandkids play favorites with other grandparents. I don't get all that from them. I don't need that from them because I don't need them to fill my tank. I need the Lord to fill my tank. I desire him. Watch this. He fills my tank so that I can then fill their tank and I can give them the love even though they don't give it back to me. The good news is, is that that tank that I get filled from the Lord will never run dry. And I'll always have more love from the Lord to give to them than I'll ever get back from them to me. So that all my whole life is getting my tank filled for him so I can love my wife even when she's not lovely. All right, enough said about that, okay? So that's how you make that fit together. David wrote, you love the Lord, you who love the Lord, you need to hate evil. And I put that in there because I wanted to draw our attention to the fact that if we really love the Lord, we still have to do something with sin. A lot of people will worship on Sunday and they're still living a nasty life in private. And I do not need to put up on the screen the name of men and women who we respected for so many years, who had had such an impact upon the church and thus the world for Christ, and yet lived a duplicit life. I think of you men who um, get away with looking at pornography, and people don't see you do that, but you have your little pornographic stash somewhere. And then you die. And they find it. Family or whatever. 
you'll never be able to apologize to your family. You'll never be able to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. That'd be horrible. Your whole life and everything that they thought about you is shattered into a million pieces right on the ground. You don't think that can happen? It has happened. It will happen. And so we talk about loving the Lord. It means loving the Lord from the inside out wherever we go. So let me give you some things to look at here to help you, what, to, to give you what it involves. It won't take long. We'll be here. We'll be done. Uh, number one says forsaking sin. That's what the F stands for, forsake sin. If I want to draw closer to the Lord, then I need to confess my sins. I get that. And then also flee my sins. So confess my sins and forsake my sins. All right, number two, praying. Build in a relationship with the Lord by communicating with him. I said that too quickly. Praying is not asking and receiving. Praying is building an intimate relationship with the Lord by communicating with him. Now, you can pray for others, but at the same time, remember, it's building a relationship with him. Remember the hand thing I did about the Bible? The hand thing about the Bible? Watch carefully now. We're going to do the hand thing with prayer. This might just help you. Can you see my hand up here? As you look at my hand, you're going to see five fingers. All right? The first finger is my thumb, and what is that really doing? It's pointing it at me. I'm not so much praying for me, although we can do that. The Lord says it's okay to do that. But I would rather look at it as saying, pray for those who are closest to me. Because my thumb on my hand, when I walk, it's closest to me. Think of those who are the closest to you. Pray for them. The index finger, when I think of the index finger, I, I think of, I'm, you're told not to do this, but we all do it. You point. Carol will say, where's such and such store? I'll say, honey, it's over there. I'm, I'm pointing. And who mostly points? People that are generally teachers. Preachers. You know, point. You need to do this. They're pointing. So think of those who are adding value to your life by speaking into your life, whoever they might be. They point the truth to you. All right, the third one is my center finger here. It's the tallest one. So when I look at this tall finger here, I'm going to be thinking about those that are in leadership, those that are in tall places, the government, the, pre the, the mayor, the president, anybody who's over you. Again, it could be a teacher, but it could be the principal. It could be your boss. It could be your supervisor. Ladies, it could be your husband. It's whatever, who's ever above you, you're going to pray for that one that's the highest. The, the next finger is an odd finger, okay? It's my ring finger. I get, get all of that. This little ring I have on here is a big old thing, but I got it because one of our, our supporters decided to make this for me. So I wear it in remembrance of him, so to speak, because he took the time to, to, to make it. But they'll tell you if you do the piano, out of all your fingers, that finger is the weakest one. So when I look at this finger, I want to pray for those who are weak, the disenfranchised, the homeless, our veterans that are missing a limb or missing part of their mind and ability to think. Think of all those who are really hurting. All right, this finger here, I usually use that to represent me, and here's why. It's the smallest finger. And I want to remember this finger as being, I'm small to our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to remember the greatness of God and the smallness of Stan. Can you now reflect in your prayer time with the Lord, the greatness of God and the smallness of you? So that's what praying is about. The third one is abiding. What does that mean, basically? Living in his word and listening to his word. Living in his word, listening to his word. The fourth one is submitting. Basically adding value to others by serving the very people that the Lord loves, and he loves the world. So you really want to do that. Well, those are four convictions you might uh, seriously consider bringing into your life. I'll base all my beliefs and lifestyle 
on God's inerrant word. I will build genuine relationships by living a life of integrity while attempting to add value to others. I will take personally the responsibility for my part in world evangelism. I will center my affection on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ in my life. Will you do that? And I could not give a message without ending with this thought. You got all these great convictions. They're all sitting there like Disneyland in front of you that you want to, oh, I want to do that and I want to do this. This is a good conviction. And that's great. But to get to those convictions and to live out those convictions, you still have to go through the door of the magic kingdom. And you do that by recognizing that the entrance to that is Jesus Christ. He's a door, but he's also God on the cross who then died and rose again. You can't have a resurrection without a death. You can't have a, a, a life without a death. And if you have a life, you have to have a birth. So we just finished celebrating, not the birthing of Christ, but that Christ was born so that he could live a perfect life, to die a horrible death on the cross, taking all our sin on himself, so that he can resurrect to show us victory over sin and death and to show us that he's alive as our Savior forever. And we receive that by simply coming to him as a sinner without good deeds, without promises, but as a sinner saying, Lord, you are the one who died and rose again. I'm trusting you as my Savior. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then it was just another baby who was born in Bethlehem. Let's pray, shall we? As we come to a moment of prayer here, I guess I ask you what convictions that you have. You may take these, you may have others. That's fine. But are you living them out? Are there more you should add to the list? Are you celebrating the victories? Are you grieving the disappointments and failures, but with the choice to fail forward, to get a do-over and start again? What will it cost you to live by your convictions? Will it cost you a job, a sale, a rebuke from a supervisor, marginalized at a family reunion? What will it cost you to live by them? And if they're biblical, are you still willing to pay the price, no matter the cost, to live by that conviction? To me, the answer should always be, yes, I'm willing to pay the price because Jesus didn't quit as he was carrying the cross. He didn't quit when they were walking him to the wood. He didn't quit when the first spike went into his wrist. He went all the way to the end because he could see past the pain to the time of celebration. So are you willing to pay the price no matter what it is? I pray so. I pray we do. And then I say to those, if you realize that God loves you so much, that he proved his love to you, that he would forgive us of our sin by dying on the cross and giving to us eternal life. Maybe for you, you'd like to enter into an eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. And the way you do that is simply to admit to him that you're a sinner. You're transferring your trust from thinking that you're so good you can get into heaven or something else might get you there. And now you're saying, none of those things. I'm a sinner and I'm going to change what I'm trusting in and I'm going to put it in Jesus Christ, in him alone. Jesus says, if you believe on me, you have everlasting life. And the person who said that is a God who could not lie. And so if he said it, that should settle it for you.
And if you're doing that, I'd like to pray for you. And you might want to do it more privately. I don't pray for you and get you to heaven. Walking an aisle doesn't get you to heaven. Even raising a hand doesn't. But if you would like to talk with me about this or you want to seal the deal and you'd like to have some questions answered, I'm going to linger as long as you want to linger. If you're a lady and you'd like to speak to my sweet wife, she knows this stuff. In fact, she's the one who taught me a lot of this. So for you ladies, you can trust her love and her knowledge and the fact that she'll accept you right where you are, but she loves you too much to leave you there, so she's going to help you to go to the next level. So reach out to us online. Just write me, standpondsandmakeitclear.org, or tell me more at makeitclear.org, and we'll be glad to help you. Let's stand, shall we? And I'm going to pray, and we're going to worship in our last song, and we will then close. Would you stand with me? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you. We're standing up on the outside, but on the inside, we are literally on the floor here before our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the fact that the convictions that we make that are biblical, that you will give us all the power to do what we need to do. And when we step back or forget or whatever gets us distracted from that conviction, we have a way to get going again. And so, Father, let today be the beginning of the rest of our life that will now become the best of our life because of the convictions that we're making for a better new year. And, Father, we pray this in your precious name. Amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us Make It Clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.